Welcome back to another episode of Champions of the West. Your Joe Milton hype train has left the station and it is full steam ahead. Boys, I don't think any of us would have possibly envisioned a start so seamless and smooth. No interceptions, no stupid turnovers in general. And I would say it was arguably the most fun I've had watching a Michigan away game in a long time, especially a Michigan away game on a Saturday night. Uh, Nick, since you are the unanimous number one Joe Milton fan in the country, how are we feeling? Yeah, I mean, it really couldn't have gone any better. I think the first uh, five minutes was exactly what every Michigan fan needed, like a little chill-out moment, like, oh, man, this could be really ugly this year. Yeah. And everyone, you know, no one was texting each other. Everyone was just kind of sitting there in shock, kind of brought the hype train down after the finish of the Penn State game. Um, I should say the Indiana game. So Yeah, we'll get into that for sure. Honestly, I would say that was the best opening Michigan game I've seen us play since I was a little kid. Even better than all the victories against Florida, you know, a couple years ago. I think we beat Florida in like a national game. Um, Yeah, on the road at Minnesota in crazy cold weather. Couldn't have asked for anything more. Yeah. Sean? Joe Milton's a cool cat, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that that was, to me, the the main takeaway that he was just kind of calm, cool, and collected. And besides that, I think that there were the execution that we were able to to have when in really every facet of the game, minus the the field goals, was was amazing, right? And I think it kind of was similar to the 2016 years where um, you 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 saw them rack up a bunch of points but it wasn't look it didn't look like they threw out every play in the playbook right so i think uh i think the speed and space as we mentioned was not is not just some sort of um hashtag and we saw that from from the opening play where uh where a true freshman got the ball beat a guy to the edge and you know popped for a first down yeah i mean yeah nick nick definitely touched on it the the beginning of the game was a little wary um you know you had the the penalty, you had the blocked punt, the Minnesota touchdown early. And then from there, I mean, Michigan ended the game on a 49-17 run, which is crazy. Um, you know, you had the Charbonnet run. And Sean, I, I think your point's exactly right. You know, you had 256 yards of rushing, 225 yards of passing, but it never felt like Gaddis opened up the playbook to the point where you could say, oh, this would be really good in week six against Penn State. You know, it it felt like he kind of kept everything simple. And to both of your points, I mean, Joe Milton just made everything look so effortless and so simple. And granted, you know, Gaddis didn't give him the toughest throws, but Sean, there's just something about him that you feel a calming presence, even for a guy making his first start on the road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the, I think that I don't even remember what touchdown it was. It may have been like touchdown four or five. Isn't it nice to say, I don't even remember what touchdown that was for a Michigan game. I feel like we never get to do that. It's kind of nice. I mean, we didn't have a a single rushing uh, play that had over 40 yards and we had two, two this Saturday, but when Joe Milton took it as a quarterback keep when it was a, um, you know, he was the only one in the backfield, no, no wide receivers split out. And he just kind of 
uh, was patient and ran behind his blocks. I think that that was to me one of those highlight plays where you know he scored a touchdown. He got his big body in there, and when you're six five and you have forward momentum and you only need five yards, it's relatively easy. Um, but him being able to be calm, collected there was was really awesome. And then the other play, which was actually one of his, I think, seven incompletes, was when he got flushed out of the pocket and he and he kind of zipped a fifty yard ball that was just outside of Giles Jackson's hands. Um, that sort of athleticism, that that playmaking, that was his should best, do wonders. Best throw all game. Yeah, it would have been the best throw all game. And it, and it, and it hit him. It hit him in the hands. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yep. Totally agree. Nick, well, who, I mean, you can include Milton if you want, but who is your favorite offensive player to watch uh, Saturday night? And then we'll jump over to the defense in a sec too. I mean, I think I'll hit on the, on the heartstrings here and say Chris Evans, right? I mean, yeah. Kind of cool to see a guy that sat out a whole year and, you know, wasn't even in classes in the fall a year ago. Um, or maybe it was the winter um, come back and score a touchdown and, you know, be truly in the rotation in a really robust offense. So I'd, I'm giving my shout out to uh, Chris Evans. I think it's a really cool story, you know, made some mistakes, but ended up sticking with his team, sticking with his, his teams he coaches um, in the area. So I think that's a really cool thing to see him, uh, you know, in the starting rotation as a fifth year senior. For Could sure. possibly yeah. even play next year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, right. Given the eligibility thing, Sean, who's, who's your guy in offense? I'm going to go with, I kind of, I'm going to say Blake Corum, right? I mean, Blake Corum got the first snap of the, of the game, right? He was, it's kind of, I think, you know, one, you know, we, we certainly want to have a play that we think was going to gain positive yardages, but two, we kind of want to reward the guy who's been, been working the hardest. And I think that there's some level of kind of a, a token play with the token player and it was Blake Corum, a true freshman. So not only was he able to, to, to get to that edge, but he was also able to, um, he's also be able to be the kind of that like starter on the first play. So I was really, I was really enthused about, about that. Yeah. What about yourself, Josh? I just want to give a quick, my guys who I want to give a quick shout out to is Ben Mason. Um, I know he got the early penalty and whatnot, but I saw him described somewhere as a sixth offensive lineman. To, to some extent, and he can block. We saw him run the ball for a touchdown. No, we saw him catch the ball for a touchdown, sorry, out of a, a little dump play from Milton. We saw him make a couple great blocks. You don't have 250 yards of rushing without Mason, and he protected Milton. Um, I think having a veteran like that who just knows how to play football and it feels like Gaddis is figuring out what to do with him. I think the defensive line, defensive tackle experiment was a disaster and it just kind of threw shit at the wall and it didn't work. Um, So I was really pleased to see Ben Mason doing his thing Saturday night. And look, I think especially against, you know, some of the teams where you may not be able to throw the ball as easily as Michigan was able to. I think being able to establish a run game and have a fullback like that who can set the tone is huge. So I thought Mason was awesome. Um, on defense, uh, Nick, one I mean, more, I'll say one yeah, more. Right. Chuck Filiaga, Filiaga. I can't remember how to say his name. Uh, Filiaga. Yeah, Filiaga. I think there's like an N in there somewhere, but um, I thought he was great. He was pulling. Right. He was fast. He was ceiling. Um, I think that was something, you know, we kind of underestimated because I think we take Ed Warner for granted 
Um, and hopefully we'll keep improving in the next few weeks and get some practice with Michigan State. But having these guys, you know, inexperienced offensive linemen kind of playing together as a unit was pretty yeah. cool to see. No, I, I agree. The offensive line was awesome. And, and totally, like I said with Mason, that kept the run game able to go, and, and they looked great. Um, I thought the defense actually played really well. Uh, you know, they're obviously unlucky to start one of those drives you know, inside the 20 um, after the block punt. But, you know, 17 points besides for that in a road game is, is really good. They made a couple great stands. Um, you know, there's guys all over the field that you could point to, whether it be in the middle, whether it be on the line. Uh, Sean, who will do the same thing like the offense. Who was, who was your guy? Who was your defensive MVP on Saturday? Defensive MVP, honestly – there was a there was there was a, a I think two guys that that's that stood out to me and it and it is not salt or pepper. Um, I'm gonna go with my defensive MVP being our new Viper. Um, I think that I think that you know the, some of those I think he's already faster than Klee Hudson. Um, you know Mike Barrett is is one of those guys who just seems like he's. You're like, why didn't he play more last year already? Right. Um, you know, the the amazing and 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 the the play that almost turned the tables from the get-go and when we're in retrospect was the was the lead that we took and never relinquished was uh, when he blindsided Tanner Morgan um for Donovan Jeter just to have that ball fall right into his hands. Yeah. I know that was kind of like the play of the game, the turning point, but uh, you know, Mike Barrett was just all over the field. His closing speed looks remarkable. Um, and he, I think is going to be kind of one of those, those stalwarts for our defense, you know, for this year and ideally for next year. Yeah. Nick. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Barrett's the, uh, the obvious one. He was flying around. Um, yeah. But honestly, I think what I touched on last week, um, the D tackles really stepped up. Yeah. In terms of Donovan Cheater, um, the, the 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 German skier, what's his name? Weishaw? No, Julius Weschelhoff. Wash Weishaw. I don't know. Weishaw. He played very well. I thought. Um, yeah, I mean, I think all of our our defensive ends obviously are, are elite, but I think our D tackles really played well. There's a touchdown in there. Maybe it was kind of fell into his lap, but um, but yeah, really impressed me. I think they plugged up the middle against a, a running back that you know could have uh, done a lot better, obviously, if he had two starting linemen. Um, but yeah, I was excited by that, and I think for what we lack in terms of experience and in size, it seems like. Don Brown is using the speed of the D tackles to, you know, have some different defense setups Yeah, and keep the offense guessing at where, the, where they're coming from. For sure. I'll just say two other guys that neither of you touched on. Uh, Pay obviously had the two sacks at a crucial point in the game just to kind of to put the icing on the cake, so to speak. Um, was good. You know, wasn't outstanding all night, but ending a game with two sacks is, is still pretty awesome. And then the guy that I was arguably most impressed with at a position that we knew very little about was Jamon Green. Um, I feel like on this podcast, we kept talking about Jamon versus German and we're like, well, I hope one of them can play. I hope one of them, one of them is decent. And uh, Jamon Green was awesome. He made a ton of great pass breakups, really played well, um, had a couple plays. I think he was on Bateman for the most part, I, I could be wrong there, but um, he looked good. And, and granted, you know, Tanner Morgan is, is no slouch. He's not Justin Fields per se, 
but I was really impressed with him, and I think he kind of set the tone for uh, for the secondary. So I was really pleased with that. Um, you know, we'd be remiss not to talk about the rest of the Big Ten because whew, there were only seven games, and we just went into one in depth. But there were six other games that uh, all kind of told us a little something around the uh, the conference. Uh, Nick, where do you want to start? I mean, we got to start at that Indiana Penn State. All right, let's start with, let's start with Indiana Penn State. Nick, give give the people who who may not have been glued to their phone five minutes before Michigan kickoff a little a little rundown of what happened in uh, in Old Bloomington on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a changing of the guard here for Indiana. They're kind of the best three quarter team in America for the last few years. Um, I know we've had some some. Uh, butt clenching games against them, uh, yeah. for lack of better terms, the last uh, last right, few that's years. The right term. That's the right term for sure. Yeah. Um. So it was fun to see them squeeze out a win. I think James Franklin helped them as much as he could. Didn't really seem like he wanted to win. Um. We saw that happen in the pro game too on Sunday, where yeah. some team, you know, both times it worked, where letting a team score and getting one more chance, it shows kind of the offense has the advantage in a lot of these games, and it happened again and. I mean, yeah, Indiana, we got to watch out. I think they're they're definitely on upset alert with us and probably the rest of the Big Ten. They look good. Yeah, and that's that's not next week, but that's – or that's not this week, but that's next week. I mean, you know, that's yep. 10 days away, and you, you absolutely are right. You have to be ready for a really game Indiana team with maybe my favorite name quarterback in the country, Michael Penix. It might be Penix. It might be Penix, but the guy can play. Uh, and he played really well against against Penn State. Um, yeah, I mean, Sean, was there, was there, was that the game to you that jumped out the most or was there something else that kind of caught you? I mean, I think that that was certainly the most entertaining game and I was, I was, uh, all aboard. So it's funny. I had Indiana plus six. There you go. And, and so, you know, I was freaking out because Penn state got that, that touchdown to go up was, did they end up going up? They went up seven or eight. Penn State eight. went up eight. Penn State could have gone up nine, right? And yep. they chose to. Yeah, so I was freaking out because I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is the lock of the century." Now I'm going to lose my bet. And by the way, Penn State's going to win. So worst case scenario, obviously that that turned around, and Noah Kane being injured and Journey Brown being out, all of a sudden Penn State looks like a materially different team. Um, and and who knows what what kind of what the rest is going to tell for them? There's a lot of tape where you know their their defense is getting chewed up. I'd say that you know the other game that that stood out to me was of course Michigan State losing and kind of losing handily to Rutgers. Rutgers seemed to be dominating the game. They seemed to be more athletic. Penn, uh, Michigan State managed to have seven turnovers, which seems to be some sort of record of, of some kind. So. As you're talking about changing the guard, Nick, I mean, Penn State, or sorry, Michigan State now is, is you know, is in the conversation of, of worst team in the league with Maryland and, and not even Rutgers, right? So um, that to me was, was one standout. The final thing I'll say, Josh, is I was shocked that, you know, Penn, that Northwestern had a 10 and a half point spread on, on Maryland and they managed to cover and cover handily. I did not think that a that a Northwestern team would come out there and and beat the brakes off of off of Maryland, who seems to have recruited some decently athletic guys. So yeah. those were to me um, on the bottom half of the sort of the slate. What what 
was shocking. There you go. I, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, the Michigan State thing to me jumped out for sure. Um, Rutgers is just the proverbial whipping boys of the Big Ten. I mean, you know, you look at Rutgers' schedule every year and you go, yeah, 1 in 10, you know, uh, whatever it is, 0 oh, in 11. Like, they're just going to lose all the games that they're, that they're even supposed to be close in. I just, I just don't see Rutgers ever competing. Um, the one thing that you did miss, and it's funny because my brother just walked in the room and we have, we have to talk about Wisconsin because Wisconsin to me is the Michigan of the big 10 West. The expectations every year are just sky high. The expectations every year are to win the division and to make the playoff. And Wisconsin anointed a new king of Camp Randall. Graham Mertz came in and threw one incompletion. The only completion hit his receiver in the hands. And then 72 hours later, they find out that Mertz is done for up to 21 days and can't play. So they go from, you know, a team that maybe can legitimately compete for the playoff, all this stuff, to I think the line, and Nick and Sean, you guys can check me on this, I think the Nebraska line went down 21 points. I think Wisconsin is still favored, but I've never seen a line move like that. Um, is Wisconsin still a contender to you guys? Like, can they withstand these next couple of weeks? And even if Mertz is healthy for Michigan, are they are they legitimate? Or is this kind of the beginning of the end for Wisconsin? And it's just a slow downfall because that to me is arguably the biggest story of the entire weekend. Well, yeah. When did that happen? Sunday, and then he tested positive again today as well. Yeah. So they had they did the rapid test Sunday, failed, and then they did the legitimate test. That's why all these tests. Did you note that his backup also tested positive? Oh, his backup was his roommate, and I heard through the grapevine that uh, a couple of of these football players went to a frat party, and uh, it spread like like wildfire. Nick, I'm I'm sure you know the KK reference, so. I'm sure it was a KK-esque environment in Madison, and uh, shit hit the fan pretty quickly there. Yeah, so the kid, the kid they have starting right now, I think, is a freshman that was like ranked outside of the top 2,000. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's in that's recruits. where you want to be. So, that's. I mean, who do they play? You said they play Nebraska. So if I mean, if they were fully healthy, I think. They were 23 or 24 point favorites about against Nebraska, but the line moved, I want to say, to three. Yeah. I mean, we'll see if they make it alive to us. We'll see if they end up playing some of these games. If you're saying yeah, there was an outbreak. Too. Those games may not even happen, so we'll have to see. Um, yeah. That was the big one to me. Um, let's move Let's move to some national games. Um, I know that, that you guys are, are always on the line. Um, checking out some of the spread, some of the over-unders, and what's going on. Um, I mean, there's not a ton, Nick, as you said, that jumped out to me. I mean, it's kind of crazy. At this point in the season, I was taking a look at teams that, to me, still have a legitimate shot to make the playoff. In the SEC, you've only really got a few. You've got Alabama, Texas A&M, Florida, and Georgia. In the ACC, you've got Clemson, Notre Dame, Miami, UNC. And in the Big 12, you've got Oklahoma State and Kansas State. So you haven't really got a ton of teams. Because to me, in this year, in a shortened year, if you lose twice, your season is over. So, you know, based on kind of what I those, – those teams I mentioned, which, which games, which teams kind of jump out to you, especially some of these teams ranked in the top 10, top 15, could potentially be on upset alert? Yeah, I mean, 
honestly, I, I don't see anyone out of the Big 12. I think they'll beat up on each other. Probably. I could see, I could see Oklahoma State losing to Texas this week. Yeah, is that uh, in that game is that game is in that game is in Oklahoma, but absolutely, is, yeah. That game. yeah, exactly. Um, so I could see that happening. Um, I mean, North Carolina will just get beat up when they. I mean, I don't. See, they're. I think they're out of it, right? They're one. North Carolina is four and one, but they they go to one and four Virginia this week. Yeah, but I'm saying they lost Clemson already. Yeah, but they can still – if North Carolina wins out, I mean, there's still a chance. I'm just saying. I'm saying, saying the teams that, to me, mathematically are still in contention to make the playoffs. They haven't even They haven't even played Clemson. I think an undefeated Cincinnati team. An undefeated oh, Cincinnati no, team. North Carolina lost to uh, Florida, State. Florida State. They don't play Clemson. They play, yeah, they don't play Clemson. They don't play Clemson this year. Yeah. Gotcha. Until the championship, maybe. Yep. Gotcha. Okay, so that'll knock them out. So I don't know. I think that yeah. I mean, if we want to go into the national national slate, I think kind of watching these other teams and then watching Michigan and now bringing Wisconsin in, I think there's a chance that there's two teams from the Big Ten that could get in just as much as easily as two teams from the SEC this year. And weirdly, so I think having the ninth game where if Michigan plays the second best, let's say we hypothetically lose to Ohio State. You play the second best team in the West, and you go eight and one. You have that extra marker against presumably a top twenty-five team, which you normally wouldn't have. Exactly, exactly. You play, you know, Wisconsin or Minnesota again. If you lose to Ohio State and end up eight and one, and could be could be Northwestern. I don't know if Jamie's listening, but the Cats look pretty good. We didn't talk about Northwestern. We didn't talk much they about did. Northwestern, but yeah, they did that. That Michigan State uh, Maryland game will be interesting. Those yeah. teams looked bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't, I, I think it still will end up being, you know, the typical SEC Alabama will still beat up on teams, even though they lost their best receiver in Waddle. Um, I don't, I don't know about Notre, is Notre Dame technically in the ACC this year. Yeah. Is that, is that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they play Clemson next, I mean, next week has three or four matchups of like top 10 or 15 teams that we'll get into that are, that are crazy. Um, but yeah, Notre Dame, Notre Dame faces off against Clemson next week, which should be really, really good. Yeah. After this week they play Georgia tech, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I mean, other than that, I don't have too much on the docket. How about you, Sean? I think that this is a, this is, I mean, obviously a weird year is an understatement, but from a national perspective, I think it's, it's Notre Dame. Uh, it's you know let's let's say Michigan, uh, given what how we looked, Georgia, Texas A and M as you know uh, as the teams and maybe one you know maybe the top Pac twelve team if they look you know, unbeatable as all fighting for one spot. I mean it's it seems like the the likelihood that Clemson, Bama, and Ohio State get in are so high. I don't see Bama winning at all this year just because they're quarterback. I think I think it's likely going to be a Clemson uh, or, or or Ohio State. So I kind of expect a decent amount of um, of like covering of spreads this this year um, when when there's a when there's a big favorite. So that's I and I and frankly like it's not as interesting because there's so many teams that are just done for um, because the season is, is, is so short. I mean, 
I'll I'll be very interested to see what Ohio State does against against Penn State this this evening or not this evening, but um Saturday primetime, twelve and a half point spread should be I kind of like Ohio State there. I think that they're gonna just crush them. Um but hey, the season is about Michigan, not not about anyone else now. No, you're you're right. I mean, and Sean, to that point, um, you know, if Penn State goes and loses this game, they're done. Oh and two there are no playoff teams that start the year 0-2 and, and then go and make the playoff. That, that does not happen. So, yeah, I mean, what you say is Michigan should take care of business this week. Let's say everything gets on it. We'll, we'll dive into this this Michigan State game a little bit in one second. Um, but, you know, Michigan has the four uh, – sorry, excuse me, five other opponents on the roster. And to me, I look at every Michigan season as – what do you have to do to get up to the Ohio State game? And Wisconsin is a chink in the armor. Penn State is not as good. I mean, you could argue the hardest Michigan game between now and Ohio State is the game in Bloomington next weekend. Is that a fair assessment up to this point? All dependent on Graham Mertz and, and the COVID stuff. I mean, yeah. when you dig into the policies, he could play within 21 days. Um so hey, if if Graham Mertz is is in, um, I think that that's probably the hardest game. I mean, the guy went past for seventeen straight completions and tied a Wisconsin record as a first time starter. Um, but assuming that he cannot play and or is coming off of limited practice, I agree. I think that I think Indiana would likely be our toughest test prior to to the the Ohio State game. Yeah. Well. Let's take it one week at a time. Let's dive into Michigan State a little bit and kind of where we think Michigan can can possibly exploit. Um, Nick, I think your point was was probably the best point. Michigan State had seven turnovers. Um, you can't win a game committing seven turnovers. You just you just can't do that. Um, they gave up thirty eight points at home to Rutgers. Rutgers quarterback had one hundred and seventy yards, a touchdown, and an interception. And their leading running back at 60 yards on the ground. It's not exactly as though Rutgers set the world ablaze with their offense. And I don't know who Noah Vidral is, their quarterback, but my guess is he's probably not going to be in Heisman conversations and, and on mock drafts for the top couple rounds like like our, our savior, Joe Milton, is going to be. I mean, is there a chance that this Michigan State team could legitimately go 0-8 or 1-7 or this year? I mean, it certainly looks like that. I saw, I think my favorite tweet was, you know, on paper, Michigan State seemed bad, but in, in real life, they're they're extremely bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, they, I think they will go 0-8 because the, I mean, they're be playing battle. Maryland. It'll, it'll be a battle against Maryland, I think. Should we look? Let's see. The Maryland game... So they have, to me, it looks like they'll have three legitimate chances left on the schedule to win. I don't know how good Iowa is. Iowa lost to Purdue. That's always a tough game at Kinnick, regardless. They have a game in College Park against Maryland, and they play Northwestern at home. But Northwestern just beat the brakes off of Maryland themselves. So... I think the best case scenario with that schedule before the the two last game, I was going to say two and six. I don't even oh, know. Wow. 
I, I think that's best case scenario. You're not going to beat Michigan. You're not going to beat Indiana. You're not going to beat Ohio State. You're not going to beat Penn State. That's that's four right there, and I don't see winning a game at Kinnick. When was the last time Michigan State won a game at Kinnick? I'm sure it was a while, not with this team. Um, yeah, I mean, who Michigan State brought in what Mel Mel Tucker this year to try to turn things around, and I guess it's a learning curve. You know, I, I guess it's a slow process, but you know, we're not that far removed from Michigan State making the playoff. It sounds crazy to conceptualize that a team that lost to Rutgers has not in the far distant past made the playoff, but I mean, this is a huge overhaul. Their starting quarterback, Rocky Lombardi is just not very good. They lost a ton of guys to transfers at the end of last year. There's a huge, just attrition and stuff going on. Um, I mean, Sean, this team is just bad, right? It's one game and you don't want to overreact to one game. And they always find a way to play Michigan weird, but I just don't think this is the year they keep it close. Are we crazy? No, I mean, if you think about, you try to set aside the the seven turnovers that they managed to to create, or well, how can you can't even up. set aside seven turnovers? Yeah. Seven turnovers. Some teams don't commit in four games. Yeah, one hundred percent. But but I mean, if you think about the just like they couldn't move the ball on the ground, right? Like yeah. They're, they're, the guy who they, their top runner Jordan Simmons had fourteen carries for forty three yards. Yeah. That's that's god awful against a, a Rutgers team that hadn't won in a in the conference since I want to say 2017. Sorry, just just to put an even better point on your rushing stat, Michigan State finished with 39 carries for 50 yards. They averaged 1.3 yards per carry. Michigan had five times more rushing yards than Michigan State last week. I think I think Rocky Lombardi is like is not horrible, right? I, I think that there's there may be worse quarterbacks in the in the Big Ten, despite actually having a decent class. Um, but if you can't move the ball, what what are you doing, right? Especially in especially when the season's starting late. And here's the other part that I don't think that you, know, you guys are discounting, but say Michigan State rolls into we think Maryland probably being the most likely win they have. You know, going in zero and four, their fifth game being Maryland, knowing that they have Penn State and Ohio State on the schedule still to play. How much of it is the guys saying, you know what, fuck this, like I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. I don't know. I mean, when was the last time? Was was there like a three and nine Michigan State year? I'm trying to remember the last time yeah. they were really, really bad. Yeah, it was at that that year. I think it was in 2016 when we beat them, kind of like close. It was early in the schedule. They were supposed to be really good with peppers. With peppers, yeah. yeah exactly. I think 2016 is right. Yeah, it, uh, that that makes 2016. Sense. They were three and nine. Yeah, yeah. They lost by ten to Michigan, but even a year they were three and nine, and that was in Lansing. But they kept the game close. Yeah, they kept it close. I don't think this is going to be close. I mean, this is one of the biggest spreads we've seen open in in years, right? Like decades, I think. And I think we're going to cover 24 and a half. That's um, huge. It's crazy. I just yeah. hope we don't get hurt, right? Yeah. Exactly. I think Harbaugh will rub, rub the score up on, on Mel Tucker and say, hey, if you're going to be here for a little while, you better get used to this. 
And I think yeah. uh, I'm hoping it, it helps recruits. You know, there was for a little while, there's there's some recruits that Michigan State was kind of poaching. And I think this game might be that that mark that it's like, you know, the best in Michigan go to Michigan. I've always loved that line. 100%. And I mean, Mel Tucker starting with like refu- refusing to even call us by our name, despite our name being in their name, which is just hilarious to me. We're like, I get the charade when it's Ohio State and Michigan because there's no common name in that or words in that, but not saying Michigan when Michigan, the word makes up part of Michigan State is just hilarious to me. Um, and I do think it's going to it's gonna kind of give the little brother treatment, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you, Nick. I think Harbaugh is going to run up the score. I think there's going to be nasty shots. I think it's going to be ugly. Um, again, let's get out of let's get out of there with a with a win and no no guys getting carted off the field. So, Sean, started. Give me a give me a prediction. Give me a score prediction. Forty eight three. Wow, Nick. Yeah, I was I was going to say like 40, 42 to ten. So yeah, yeah, I was, we're all right in that boat. My my guess was forty nine to ten. We had forty nine last week. Why not go for forty nine again this week? Um, give me a everyone. Give me a uh, a hot prediction. I just want the listeners to know that I texted Nick and Sean incessantly. The game was long over, and I had to make sure that Michigan got to that two hundred and fifty rushing yard stat that I stupidly picked. But it kind of came to fruition very nicely for me. So. I want to hear some some crazy. What Sean and Nick? Where were your guys? I, I legitimately. This is not me trying to toot my own horn, even though I, I definitely was just doing that. But what was what was the pick that you guys made last week? Like, my pick was wrong. wrong. My pick was that we were going to get crushed. Yeah. Well, so wrong. and Nick, hopefully something more optimistic you had. I think I had two interceptions in two Daxville pick six. I, I, I Daxville pick six. So we had a defensive touchdown. Yeah, that counts. I'll give you an adjacent one on that. Is that is that a fumble recovery touchdown by Donovan Jr. or is that an interception? Because it never hit the ground. I think it's a fumble because he didn't it wasn't didn't a throw it. pass. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are always so, so I am going to say um there will be there will be no player that has over a hundred yards receiving for Michigan, but four players that have a receiving touchdown. Wow. So you said so that's also, by the way, four Joe Milt four Joe Milton touchdowns, or that include Cade McNamara too? That includes Cade McNamara, that may include Mike Barrett, that could include whomever. Wait, 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 but we're but you said receiving touchdown, right? Yeah, receiving touchdown. Yeah. Mike Barrett was a two was a was a dual threat quarterback in uh in high school. Who knows what happened? Um, I think Mike Mike Barrett played, I feel like, every snap on special teams and defense. So give give Mike Barrett a rest. Maybe. Who knows? I'm not I'm not my hot take is not that Mike Barrett will, will pass for a touchdown, but his four distinct Michigan go. players will catch touchdowns. There you go. Nick? I think that Michigan State won't score on off like on offense unless it's a trick play. I think like the only way they score is on like a you know a reverse or something like that. So that's my hot take. The only points Michigan State scores will be on a gadget play. They won't okay. score straight up. And I'm gonna say 
200 plus rushing yards. I like these rushing yard stats, and I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with three or four. I'll go with four. I'll 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 make I'll 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 take this crazy guess. Four rushing touchdowns. I think Harbaugh and Gaddis are going to try to dial this thing back as much as possible. I don't think, especially if Indiana comes out and looks really good against Rutgers, hypothetically, I don't think you want to show Indiana anything right now. Um, I mean, look, you want to make a statement, but you want to keep your guys healthy and you don't want to do anything stupid. So 200-plus rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns is my take. Um, anything else? How many? How many total yards on of offense will uh, will Michigan State have this year? This year? Or sorry, this game. I was like, the game you this want year. me to start doing some, some mental math? We can, we can play that game. If you want. Uh, 186. Total yards? Yeah, I don't know how many they had against Rutgers. I don't think it was good. Uh, but I... No, they had a bunch. They had 369 against Rutgers. Mm, yeah, 186. Let's just let's just be mean. Interesting. Yeah, I don't I mean, think we're going to Do you guys think we're going to kick any field goals if uh, if if Nordine's still hurt? I think that Moody gets one shot, and if he misses it, we're just going for two. I'm I'm well. No, the extra points aren't the issue, Nick. It's it's going for it. Yeah, I mean, you would like sorry, going forward on fourth down. Going forward on fourth down. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Same here. I mean, I it's crazy to me. I, that that's honestly the number one thing that bothered me watching Minnesota is how do you justify giving more than two people on a team a scholarship for special teams if your backups are going to be that bad? Yeah, yeah, it makes no sense. You can't Just get someone off a soccer team. But Moody was so good last year too, so it doesn't quite make sense why he was so bad this in against Minnesota. But who knows? Yeah, it was. But I wonder. Sorry, to your to your point, and Sean, and then I'll let you finish. I wonder if Harbaugh gives Moody like a twenty-eight or a thirty-one yarder if we have it, just to kind of say, "Kid, here's some confidence back," because I'm sure he needs it. Oh yeah, I need it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But at least he doesn't have to walk around campus after he misses a bunch. That is. I don't a- think anybody knows who Jake Moody is on campus anyway. Mm, fucking kicker. <laughs> Probably gets that a lot. Doesn't have to worry about that. There you go. All right. All right well, guys. I think I think we should end on some uh, some vitriol. It wouldn't be a Michigan podcast unless we found a way to complain about a twenty-five point win against a ranked team on the road. Um, so let's end with that. Um, look, we're all hoping for total blowout this weekend. We think Michigan State is really not very good. So if, if Michigan State, you know, keeps it close, keeps the dog in the fight, we'll we'll have a lot to talk about. Uh, if not, then we'll uh, we'll look forward to to Indiana for next week. But please stay safe. If you enjoy this podcast, please text us. And uh, for Sean, for Nick, for Josh, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Peace.